0: I'm Macon Holtz. This month on the ARC Audio Book Club, we're going to be talking about the Nobel Prize-winning author Alfreda Jelinek's disturbing 1983 novel of repression, desire and violence, The Piano Teacher. The novel tells the story of Erika Kahoot, a talented pianist in Vienna who, due to a confluence of factors, has been relegated to a career as a piano teacher, albeit for elite students. Erika is in a codependent, abusive relationship with her mother, with whom she lives and shares a bed. Mother tries to control Erica as much as possible, from the clothes she buys, to the hours she's allowed out of the house, to the complete prohibition against romantic relationships with men. But Erica, who sneaks out to engage in acts of pornographic voyeurism, harbours secret, sadomasochistic desires that, while they wouldn't make the Marquis de Sade blush, would certainly get him to give Erica the time of day. Things start to escalate as Erica becomes infatuated with one of her students, the reasonably talented but ultimately basic fuckboy, to use the contemporary parlance, Walter Klemmer. As her fantasies become more likely to come true, Erica has to deal with the actual pain of the pain that she desires. And here to talk about the book, we have scholar of female despair in literature, Sherry Helberg. Hello. Brand new ARC volunteer, Charlie Casarina. Hello. And the inimitable, Giovanna Alessandro. Hello. Okay. So this book—it was um—it's a—it's a little uh, sensation odyssey, isn't it, guys? Cheers. <laughs> yeah. But one thing that struck me, like reading the translation, because is originally written, of course, in German, was sometimes when you read a translation, you feel like, oh, this is very translationy, and that did not come across here. So I don't know whether that's like just the genius of Alfreda Jelinek just transmitting through it, or like it's obviously a cooperation with a good translator, but you could really feel the craft of the writing was there, I thought. Would, it, would you agree with that?
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, I think it also maybe has something to do with the idiosyncrasy of the writing itself, mm. um, that there's just so much going on at the level of language and style, um, that there's no sentence that reads like a normal sentence.
2: Mm. Yeah. In
1: the whole book, which in a way perhaps makes translating it easier. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the case, but
2: I was wondering yeah. about that, because there's a an awful lot of puns yeah. in this, I think you noticed. And um obviously I can't imagine that those are direct translations from German unless they're that miraculously close. Yeah. So there is certainly
0: Liberties some, have been taken,
2: yeah. I I assume so. Yeah. But I would be interested to know how this actually matches up and whether it's the same. For example, you read it in the... Um,
3: in Danish. In Danish. Yeah, yeah, there are no puns in Danish, I think. Oh, no. mm-hmm. Um But Megan, you told me that it was the same translator who had done yeah. Story of the Eye.
2: Yeah,
0: but I... That was a great read, although there's a massive problem with the English translation of Story of the Eye.
3: Yeah, but, but it's, it, it works well. It works, it works
0: well, but I mean, it's, it, it, he does take liberties in that, which do undermine the central thesis of the book. He does? Yeah.
3: Uh-huh.
0: He translates ass to pussy.
3: Yes.
2: Oh, that's a strong take.
0: Yeah. But which it it, <laughs> then repeats that through the book. It's like, As. I don't like this. I'm going to change it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, not my taste. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: ironically, Story of the Eye is also based on a pun, isn't it? There's yeah. a lot of puns around yeah. eggs and eyes, yeah. which wouldn't work. Yeah,
1: yeah but i think maybe in a way that uh flexibility if you will
0: <laughs> perhaps makes um, it a more beautiful artifact in the end yeah. yeah
1: or at least here where there are so many idiomatic expressions and um mm. terms of phrase that maybe i don't know that that flexibility makes that a little bit easier makes it work um because there are some um almost cliches yeah um in the book
0: yeah yeah i mean, I mean that yeah obviously that's a uh, we can't know what's like to be there staring down the the barrel of some Nobel Prize winning literature and like going, how do I actually convey to an English speaking audience that this is Nobel Prize winning? And I can't get this pun to work.
1: Yeah. Or one, I don't, this isn't a pun, but one instance that stuck out to me, for example, is the television at one point is called the boob tube, <laughs> which is very colloquial and a very specific kind of colloquial. Mm. And I can't imagine that it's the same in
2: I was wondering sure. about that because when I hear boob tube, I—that's th- well, <laughs> a reference to kind of a clothing, mm. at least in yeah. in British English. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I mean so that is very, Yeah, very
1: something cool. my grandma would say. <laughs> yeah, it
0: is more like an it's a more like an American English thing because you have to call TV the tube in the first instance before you can even get to,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is not a British English thing.
4: Yeah. So,
0: yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, it, but other than like the that like that level of craft, there's also like this. <clears throat> The amount of repetition, and importantly, repetition with variation within sections, I thought was really fascinating, which in many ways, to me, seemed to borrow structures you'd find in the kinds of late romantic classical music that she was actually working within. That kind of, it's never quite a repetition, it's always something else, there's always a new colour in it when it comes around the second time, or the third time, or the fourth time, but it also really communicates that these people are quite crazy. Yes. And it's wonderfully subtly done, I think.
3: And the narrator... Who we don't know, we don't know who it is, right? But I have a lot of questions about that. Person has been (laughs) staying with them for too long.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what do you you mean about that? Well, um, it is actually a really good question. Who is the narrator? Mm. There is definitely some amount of what one assumes is uh, free indirect speech. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, the narrator plugging into the thought and speech patterns of the person they're talking about at that moment, there is a definite difference, I think, when it's going into Walter's head compared, sorry, Walter, Mm -hmm. (laughs) compared to Erica, for example. Mm -hmm. But there are also these moments in which I wonder really who it is at all. For example, uh, you know, we were talking about Mm -hmm. puns, there's little puns, there's one, there's a I remember Little Shop of Horrors. And you wonder, this at the moment, a lot of it seems to be taking mm. place in Erica's head. Mm. At, least, um, yeah. at least I assume so. Yeah. But those ones don't seem to match mm. too much with mm. the other sense mm. that I get of her in her interactions or mm. what it's referred to. I don't know what it, the rest of you thought about that. Yeah,
0: I think that makes sense. I mean, I, th- I sometimes think there's uh, moments when there is that play between, you know, it says Erica, but does it mean I... Mm-hmm. like just through a through a character.
1: I think the actually the first few sentences of the novel are really interesting if we're trying to figure out who or where or what the narrator is. Um so I can just read the first few lines. The piano teacher Erica Kahoot bursts like a whirlwind into the apartment she shares with her mother. Mama likes calling Erica her little whirlwind for the child can be an absolute speed demon. She is trying to escape her mother. And I think this is so interesting what's happening here because this phrase bursts like a whirlwind. We get first, but then we learn that whirlwind is something that Erica is called by her mm. mother. So the narrative perspective is just sort of like a whirlwind jumping around here between different characters and different mm. perspectives.
2: Especially if you take into account the sentence immediately afterwards, which is Erica is in her late 30s.
1: Which Erica would never say about herself.
2: Yeah. Uh, Exactly. So yeah, you definitely have that going around where it's sort of switching between those different Mm. voices and codes.
3: And then sometimes it speaks directly to the reader. At Mm. one point it says like, she's a real person of flesh and blood, or like you and me. And yeah, Mm. it becomes its own own person. But yeah, Yeah. who?
0: Yeah, so in the first section of the novel, we have it intercut between these scenes of Erica's daily life and then her domestic life at home with her mother. And we find it to be quite a violent and abusive relationship. But this is intercut with other sections, which seem to be somewhat different, where they capitalise the, the the word she and her, which we assume is in reference to a younger Erica at times. But also it seems somewhat ambiguous as well in that. But I think it is clearly a younger, in some ways it is definitely a, a younger Erica. But it is importantly disassociated further still in those sections. Um, what, what, and then this disappeared by the second section. So what is, what is that doing? Does that, what did that do for you, reading it? Do you, do it? Was it like an explanatory backstory or was it more like a thematic explanatory thing? Or,
2: Well, it's doing a few things. I mean, one thing is that the, the passage in which it starts is mm. specifically about her childhood and, and about her being um, a focus... Yeah. of the attentions, mm, attention is an interesting word as well, yeah. but a focus in any way of her mother and grandmother. At the same time, she, the fact that it's she and not Erica, to some degree, mm. disembodies her. Yeah, mm-hmm. And she is both the focus and always at the margins. Mm. That she's not actually allowed to become an actual person.
0: Yeah. I was also thinking that section does, it does something to um, really throw up the question of agency a lot because in the other sections, Erica does things, the mother do, does things. Um, but in that section, this she has this way of making it, it's not an identity that's doing things. It's this um, position that's doing things. Mm-hmm. And that's a position is kind of not the same as a person in this. Like it's just the the thing she is in the family does things, which makes it more like a, like she's an animal, or hmm. like you can't say there's choices and intentions. There's just the forces at play within her and and against her.
1: Yeah, I would relate that um, reading of agency to um, the question of uh, a possession which I think is such an important aspect of the book that especially given the abusive relationship with her mother who controls so many aspects of her life, there's this desire that runs throughout the book um, that Erica has to possess things. Mm. So to have her own clothes um, in the beginning and to possess her own body or to Mm. possess the student's body, um, to have something that's her own in a way. Um, But that's constantly being undermined throughout the book because these kinds of... That kind of possession especially of herself is yeah. just not possible
4: yeah
3: what i like this that or what i liked for a long time was that she was never uh what do you call it psychologized yeah. by the narrator it was more like explained and it was really hard but then at one point i think the narrator does it he does or she does like psychologize her by saying like she once opened her heart to a teacher that was better than her and he rejected her and made fun of her and now she's closed her heart and she's made herself hard and for me that just flattened everything because it was so unnecessary and I don't really know why it was there and it was so out of character that this was explained Mm. about her her behavior because Mm. it's already there
0: yeah yeah but then But then the question is, again, like, who is this narrator? And if Mm it's this kind of whirlwinding thing, maybe that's in a moment when it's, you know, closest to Erica's story that she tells about herself.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: But, because obviously it's not reducible to that, her hardness. Her Mm -hmm. hardness is... And that's maybe, like, I think there's... I have this question I've written down here, like, parents and sex, but is it Freud? Um, (laughs) Can't really put that as a question, but basically, like, this is... It's a story taking place in Vienna. There's... (laughs) <laughs> An incestuous construction of sexuality <laughs> in it, and yet, it's making very clear you can't just Freud this shit together. It's not um, there's 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 other things at play than just oh your mother was a bit too controlling. It's
3: maybe like,
2: maybe you can Melanie Klein it though. I don't yeah. know.
3: Okay. Can you Melanie? Klein? No. Okay. I <laughs> can one? I'll just throw Klein? that out to sound intelligent, <laughs> but honestly, no.
1: But I wonder if it makes sense. We're talking about the narrator as a who or Mm. as if they're a singular presence. And I Mm. think that it might be more helpful to think of it in terms of a kind of, I don't know if this is the right musical term, but polyphony, or that there is this proliferation of voices um, including the characters but then also this sort of narrative voice which Mm. seems to Mm -hmm. go between them and maybe it's just the confluence of those separate voices
0: I think that maybe is the thing is it's like it's it's like in that first section if you just imagine this kind of like spinning whirlwind going between people like it's almost like that kind of the energetic tension between characters is where the narrator emerges Mm -hmm. which is a really cool device and kind of why you see things winning Nobel Prizes, I think, when you do that kind of... <laughs> re-
3: yeah, and we could limit that to just Erica and her mother, right? This could be the thing between them.
0: Well, there's, there's also that whole section with, um, with Walter mm-hmm. when he's in the park, oh, yeah. which is...
1: Later, yeah. yeah.
0: But then also, like, he gets infected in a certain way, like, with their world, with their tensions, with their, with their desires, mm-hmm. so...
1: And then you have all of the clichés, which, in a way, could be these other voices that are outside... Yeah. So from society or other mm. people that infiltrate the text.
2: Mm. Desire is kind of a, an interesting thing to talk about, though, because it is debatable to what extent each of these characters desires something at all. The mother is constantly deferred. Everything mm. is deferred to an imagining future in which they're going to own mm. this beautiful new apartment mm. together. Um, what actually Erica desires is always interesting to me whether that's something that she is clear on yeah and 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 walter to what extent we can even call these things desires they seem more um uh, programmatic ticks in his uh, mm. attempt to create a sense of self
0: yeah i mean that uh, this it depends how elevated you put the term desire though i guess is the thing because i think that certainly yeah the, the 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 want that gets a character through a scene like what they have, they have the intention that they go into a scene with like you could say that's quite clear cut as you say on like a more deeper level yeah Walter wants well, he he doesn't want um anything particular from Erica he wants the status of having conquered Erica or like he wants the, a life to be constructed around being this kind of this great lover
2: Mm. But the status is an internal because at the same time he doesn't want anyone to know about this as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's always own... mediated mm. between something else. Mm. It's always every desire also sees its sort of counter desire. Mm. The mm. same way. Erica wants to be hit but not hit. Yeah. She yeah. wants to own clothes, but she doesn't necessarily want to wear them. Mm. Um oh, yeah. The yeah. mother wants to move, but not really. Mm.
0: She wants to move to a bigger apartment, but that won't mean they should have a sh- like separate beds. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And so I wonder whether mm. it's almost about the absence of this desire or an attempt to or a a, um, mm. a desire for desire, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean this is the big the big thing about it is like I think the you see like the the misogyny that characterizes Walter Klemmer's character is that's too many characters in that sentence. Um, <laughs> is very much in that he like what appalls him about getting the letter from Erica is that it makes him aware of her as someone with well expressing desires mm-hmm. and his image is like women want don't shouldn't express such desires that makes them a pervert kind of like me I'm meant to be like pushing her boundaries and that kind of thing she's meant to be the object that I desire to desire, and she wants to be desired by me that's the only desire she's capable of having and so like and that rupture kind of just shatters his entire worldview. And it's this wonderful thing of someone who's completely sheltered from in a certain way, sheltered. also like while being, you know, close to it with all the porno theatres, but somewhat sheltered from the reality of kind of this sort of internalized misogynistic logic of a society, running to someone who cannot accept that someone would present what they want just up front like that, or what they state that they want to be.
3: Mm. I think that was a really good explanation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, because I remember like seeing this. This the first time I saw anything about this film was um, Well, the film that the book was made from the book, which apparently is also very good but impossible to watch, um, was uh, when Slavoj Žižek talks about it in the film documentary, The Pervert's Guide to Cinema, and in that I think I think he gets it a little bit wrong because he has to make it all about Lacan, and there's something about how when like he so in his reading of it, there's uh, the. That when they finally have sex, it's the the removal of fantasy. And that's the horrific thing. Like fantasy has been taken away from her life at that point <clears throat> and realities. But it's also because I, that's like to say that's like to say there's a structural dependency to have fantasy always on the outside or you can never actually access or enjoy anything. But it's just basically just like Lacan reh- rehashed all the time.
3: Is that where he talks about two women and one has fantasized about being raped and one hasn't? And if it happened to those two, it would be Hyder and the woman... Was fantasized
0: about it. Yeah, that would be that's the kind of position yeah. that he would be taking. But that's just so it's so it's so structurally like locked in that it doesn't take into account that this might just be going wrong.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like it isn't necessarily that she doesn't want to engage in sadomasochism. She enjoys masochism plenty. It's just that her partner isn't in a kind of sadomasochistic relationship. He's actually hitting her.
3: Mm-hmm
2: yeah I think even the masochism though is interesting to some degree um it's specifically s- stated that she uses a razor mm. and by the way, later we can talk about the fact that it's referred to as the paternal razor um, <laughs> the fact that oh, it it doesn't point. hurt
0: yeah yeah
2: um she doesn't do these things specifically for pain no um so actually, that's an interesting question. Why does she do these things? <laughs> yeah, what well, well, What is it about yeah. uh, that? Is it... Is it made back
0: to the thing that it's something that she can own or demonstrate her ownership of something?
1: There is a desire to... I mean, I think part of the problem with desire is that she says repeatedly that she doesn't feel anything. So desire or feeling would be one thing that you would think would propel mm. desire or pleasure because nothing mm. seems to give her... Pleasure, at least she says in all of these circumstances where she's supposed to feel things mm. or thinks that she is, that she can't. Um, yeah, the desire to see what's inside, and that's part of what she enjoys about, um, say hardcore versus soft, softcore porn, is she says that softcore porn is all about the outside and mm. the appearances, mm. whereas the hardcore you get more of a sense that you're seeing what's inside the body. Mm. And that also, I think comes into her own self-mutilation, mm. is this desire to see the inside.
0: And that is like a really important psychoanalytic concept as well. This this um, bifurcation of inside outside, and that you know that you can have something that is that is just you within, and and then like the pornography like obviously blurs that or polarizes that and realizes it's all kind of a
2: outside. Mm -hmm. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) With respect to feeling things, though, Mm -hmm. it might be a good idea to talk a little bit about. Art and music. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. actually, yeah. I um, that down. Art and music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it, it seems it would make sense to uh, talk about this in mm. relation to a book called *The Piano Teacher*. Yeah. Any uh, uh, that's not to say that I yeah. had any particular hot take on that, but I, I just thought it was I, an interesting. I kind of did, in that I, I was
0: like so incensed by the conception of art and music that um the mother and erica have Mm. like their concept their concept of it is just so ridiculous and hoity and nonsensical and uh, like like it's like this weird alien thing that was given to us at some point in the past and we have to keep it safe otherwise we'll end culture and and i and you kind of realize how you can really if you structure your life around that sort of conception of creativity and and history and society then you're gonna fuck everybody up around you that you're trying to bring up because nothing's as pure as your imagined ideal. yeah i had a very hot take apparently
2: <laughs> but there is also something that rings really true in some of those descriptions of the recitals and things mm. don't you think it's uh i wonder to what degree sometimes i do think of this in in regards to leaving the Atocha station mm. in terms of, you know, <laughs> I think of the recital scene mm. in, in mm. comparison mm. to that one. But it, they are, are opposite ends of that, mm. right? Because actually this one is about, theoretically at least, mm. Or, or mm. as far as, as she says about, actually it is about the music. Mm. Um, but there are all, there are these wonderful bits where they talk about these people being like junkies mm. and that art is something... That you use to yeah. force other people to do things, yeah, and uh, and I mean, there's, uh, yeah. I, I just have the page open on one bit where, mm. which page? Is it? Um, this is page twenty three, uh, where, and this is this must be her when she's, is this when she's young or not? No, this.
0: Yeah, this is a this is a well this is a this she is section, childhood yeah. section. Because yeah. there's
2: two sh- uh, she sections I realised right at the beginning yeah, and yeah. one of them is actually when she's older. Yeah, yeah. But it does end. No art can possibly comfort her then. Even though art is credited with many things, especially an ability to offer solace, sometimes, of course, art creates the suffering in the first place. Mm.
0: Yeah. But even then it's like a profound suffering, isn't it? It's like a
2: well, yes, it yeah. is, but the the suffering, mm. the suffering, I think it's alluding to, or mm. well, the suffering that we see the most in yeah. regards to art yeah. is the suffering of students. Is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the suffering yeah. of people yeah. trying to yeah. get in there? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
2: not the suffering that art produces in a sort of elevated form of no. oh, this beauty is. It's the, su- me. It's, it's the suffering
0: of flesh not living up to art. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. This is an interesting thing. Um, this is not meant in any sort of like explanatory way, but apparently this is, of all of um, Janik's book works, this is like the most autobiographical, Where she was, she started her life off being with a very controlling mother who sent her into like a conservatoire to like learn piano. And that really rings true when you hear all the details about students just vomiting as a matter of course, because that's what's going to happen. <laughs> You're just going to vomit all the time. And that's, yeah, it, it's flesh not, not quite meeting the task. So
2: there's another sadomasochistic relationship yeah. that's always going on within the art institution. Yeah, yeah. Both in relation to the student and mm. the teacher, and this is all students and teachers as well, <laughs> in terms of this book anyway, yeah. but also um, performers mm. and the baying animalish audience yeah, who yeah, just yeah. wants to... Sort off and have a drink. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so many things. Just have everything in the bar. Make all things happen in bars, and you'll make a much more realistic depiction of how art works. But yeah, uh, yeah. anyone else have any takes on the, the art of the.
3: No, but there's something interesting about the whole SM thing, isn't there? If that's both in there and in the relationships she wants with the student of SM. Uh, and now that you said that she's not feeling anything and, like, we don't really know who she is because this book is told through so many voices of, like, this whole NSM thing as a constructed narrative around where you don't have to be yourself because it's a game. Mm. And is the pain real? I know you mm. talked about that one day, Mekan. Oh, yeah. of if, Is the pain real if it's an agreement? And are you really mm. being... Um,
0: but if you want to be hurt,
3: yeah, exactly.
0: If that's what you want, like, how? can Like, how, if you want to be degraded, are you being degraded or are you being elevated in that moment? Like, he, is your desire being? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, but that's. I mean, it is a game and it is an <laughs> agreement. And she wants to have an agreement with this guy uh, of this SM thing, mm. and then she gets what she wants, but not what she wants because it wasn't within the rules. And. Mm the way that she tries to construct this whole thing of, like, not getting anything too close, and if that's in her art view as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's always about how much... Like, there's actually, um, on the page before uh, the one that you read, there's a remark about her body in relation to art, which is nice. Um, Her body is one big refrigerator where art is stored well.
3: Mm. Ow. (laughs) (laughs) So, is it... Like is there because I couldn't really find a morale in the story, but is the morale actually that like a wrong take on art, like a a bad art philosophy of Mm. art? Is that the whole reason of this misery, and not so much like the fucked up relationship with the mother itself? But I I think uh it's both
0: like a it's like a exacerbating symptom. You know, it's like the vomiting that from the disease that mm-hmm. causes you to dehydrate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's some there's something else wrong in the thinking of people and the organizations of the world that allows you to have this conception. And when you have that conception, nothing lives up to it.
2: Mm. But music is also particular, like when mm. you're talking about music, especially mm. instrumental music okay, yeah. in relation to these things. I mean, the, the I think one of the interesting things about it is that it seems so depoliticized. politicized yeah yeah right it's the most elevated mm. because concepts can be put on it but mm. it also seems to elude it them.
0: shakes them off a little bit right yeah yeah
2: and so that it has this vast potential to be used for for conservative uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah. you know um that there is uh, there is nothing there's nothing about music which is going to necessarily mm. deem you as a person yeah yeah
0: yeah 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 it's got well yeah it's it, it has it's if you want to find content in it, you have to like look to things that people put upon it, like you have to say, well, this of course was written for the funeral or the death. this is named after Saint Peter, this is like you have to stick metadata on it mm. to actually to get anything
2: out of it well the meta- mm. there is some metadata in this book, right yeah, and it but it's mostly about her favorites are Schubert and Schumann, yeah, because they experience pain. <laughs> Actually, really? if there's one, uh, I enjoyed this book a lot. I'm not going to pretend, I'm not gonna say anything, <laughs> but I, I, I am thankful. I've been I have been listening to a lot of De Vinter, say, because <laughs> of this, and it's been quite fun. Um, so, it's good, uh, good, uh, yeah. good music recommendations in this yeah. book. I've got the, to say,
0: it was interesting. There was only like, um, like she's also like living very much. It's a. It's a Different historical period that she's in as well, because she's like there's one, ref- the most contemporary composer they reference is, Sh- is Schoenberg and, and Webern. Mm. Uh,
2: there's um, isn't um, the the piece that she plays for the um, uh, for her recital that goes terribly wrong, isn't that Messiaen?
0: Yeah, that's like contemporary of the other two.
2: Is it? i always
0: thought it was a bit new. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. So, but, yeah, I mean, like, so, you know, the, the earth, like, the furthest we get is, like, still that, like, that kind of... It's still in that idealised systems yeah. way of thinking about things as well with, yeah, serialism. But that's also, like, just something she happens to do because she has to do it when the real love is romantics. And and that's always dangerous.
2: Yeah, the danger of the romantic. Oh, my God, yeah.
0: <laughs> Isn't that... And then there's also some nice, tr- like... Uh, yeah, there's a, a nice passage, of course, where they where she kind of draws in some parallels between women and art, um, mm-hmm. like at least as they're socially understood. Do you have the thing for this story?
1: Well, I don't know. Maybe this is more related to what we were talking about before. But there was this incredible quote. Okay. If I could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Read it, and <laughs> maybe that will go into <laughs> what you were talking about. Striding along, Erica hates that porous, rancid fruit that marks the bottom of her abdomen. <laughs> Only art promises endless sweetness.
2: Oh, there are some bleak, yeah. bleak references to body parts in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah.
1: <laughs> but this, for me, seems like one of the parts where, at least from Erica's perspective, art just seems completely antithetical to bodily desire or the female body
0: Mm. yeah that's true like so like so yeah still it's like this idealized female (laughs) body which is um this kind of this this 20 something that is going to age so there's that parallel where she draws about like women getting older and then artworks getting older and having to like stand up to the judgment of history as to whether or not they'll be remembered and and then this of course like whenever it's not that it's rotting rancid it's and
2: what's that and that's juxtaposed in two of the male characters, with their obsession with sports. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So you, <laughs> the two classic jock characters, mm. the cousin. Mm. Uh, actually, it's interesting that the cousin basically is Walter. Yeah, ways. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're basically the same character, and and they're both <laughs> they're both. Incredibly I, I, and, and boring that, dudes talking about their shooting sports. <laughs> and, and, and at that
0: point in her life, she was not willing to entertain incest in the way she was later on.
2: Well, I mean, she came pretty close, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, um, she was, uh, yeah
0: but not not through her own, like. um oh, in public. Yeah, she has. Yeah, it's, yeah true, true, true enough. Yeah. No. yeah. Yeah, She so she likes um, this Adonis figure man, which is.
2: Does she like the man? Or, uh, I mean, the again, figure. <laughs> yeah, figure. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, at first it's him pursuing her or he yeah. seems to become interested in her. Yeah. And then she seems to sense that there's this possibility mm. of taking control of the mm. situation in a way or yeah. of, I don't know, this is just my thing with the book, I guess, of possession.
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah, she's going to teach him a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> almost. Okay.
3: And also that she might be, I mean, this is really, I think, common but she's a really bad judge of character when someone is like into her right then yeah, yeah. she's sort of into them as well and I really like that Walter Clemmer guy I think he's amazing and I love that he's in her life like every time he's done with like fuck this shit I'm gonna go canoeing
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go river rafting and I'm so done with this I'm gonna do, go do some sports I'm <laughs> the lamest
2: of sports I mean they, they do make it sound super lame in it's little yeah. orange fucking suit (laughs)
3: and I also like because (laughs) I mean this reminded me because I did read Fifty Shades of Grey and I don't think they never have sex do they like it doesn't actually happen
0: in Fifty Shades or in this book in this book well he rapes her at the end yeah
3: yeah Yeah, but I mean yeah. A- apart from that, they never...
0: There's a bit of time with some oral, there's some ineffectual oral.
3: Yeah, okay. So what <laughs> <depends laughs> do you find yeah. a sex? But in Fifty Shades of Grey, I mean, most of the book, I don't. they don't have that, but sex, it's mm. just like negotiating the terms mm. and talk a lot about <laughs> sex, writing about mm. sex, like texting about sex. And this was exactly the same thing of like the rules. What are the rules for yeah. this? Which <laughs> they clearly disagree about.
0: And the thing is, it's not like... <sighs> she's really opened up the table with rules you know it's like there's a lot of potential range there and if he wasn't so fucking basic <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> he'd just be like you know what should we work our way up to this you know like I'm uncomfortable with some of this but it's good to know there's a range we could like but no he's such a fucking basic
3: but it's also such a shame because <laughs> I really liked her letter but then she becomes like this cliche woman who doesn't want what she wants like yeah. mm-hmm. I-, I said this but I, I really wanted this yeah.
0: Yeah. why mm-hmm. didn't
3: she want what she wrote I feel like it's
0: like... more that she's realizing that she's in trouble because yeah. immediately after that she's like Probably. no please don't hit me As
3: yeah, he's fucked
0: yeah because he's not gonna hit her in the right way and yeah. that's not on mm. yeah yeah she's
2: paradoxically not very good at making rules
0: yeah because not really rules it's more like permissions it's a <laughs> yeah the and they're always rules. they're always very hedged
2: yeah as well
0: yeah that's it was like it was a wonderful line when like when he turns up at the house and then um He's demanding to come. He calls her up because he's outside on a payphone. He's like, I'm going to come over right now. She's like, oh, not right now. What about three days from now in a cafe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's always that romantic image that's the uh, that's the thing. Like, oh, no, that's not... We don't meet now.
3: But I liked him the entire way because, I, I mean, I still like him. He knows from the beginning that she lives with her mother, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's not an obstacle. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. It's not weird. <laughs> like, let's meet outside the house or... No. I'm gonna come over. That's <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah,
0: you thought you know what? This is probably fine. This is this is gonna be fine. I'm gonna this go is gonna go
3: to be it. fine.
0: <laughs> it's. I don't see this as an obstacle to my plan. And you know, the top half is fine. <laughs> Maybe it's more like if they could even out, then it'd be oh, perfect. Yeah. But it was, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know though. I find like, I feel like the Zizek reading of the thing is right about. Walter and not about her mm-hmm. like he is my like, fantasy is disappearing for him and he's realizing how he can't control his reality into his like from his imagination like he used to always think and so that's why he's like alright then I'm going I'm just gonna go mm-hmm. and he's obviously still repressing that but like that's the if you're still in if you're properly like inculcated in the symbolic order like he would like a Lacanian would say like, and Walter definitely is um, then yeah, that will be what happens when you come into contact with with fantasies. Mm. Um, but I think it's far more traumatic than that for for Erica.
3: <laughs> but I like the ending. Yeah, that mm-hmm. I was thinking like while reading the book, how is this gonna end? And I think this is the best possible way as for the book, not for her, right? But <laughs> that it could have ended.
0: Probably the best possible ending for her, actually.
3: Mm. In what sense mm-hmm. for the book then? That there wasn't a happy end, and there was no explanation, and there was no tying it together, and it's just fucked. Yeah.
2: Was was a happy ending ever really in the cards? You think? (laughs) Because it is. It is a. (laughs) a... No, but I mean that has never
3: stopped anyone. That's that's a
0: fair point.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but
0: There, there are Nobel Prize winners who give us a happy ending, and this one hasn't.
3: She could have found herself pregnant and with the hope of new life.
0: Yeah. Who she she would, doesn't. Or an even darker ending, pregnant, and a hope of a new Erica. Mm-hmm. Who won't fail at the <laughs> concert exam.
2: So it's a question of whether it's, <laughs> is this completely cyclical or not? I think it's mm. kind of interesting that by the end, something... I mean, it doesn't... How can I put it? There, there are definitely moments in which it's... But, uh, at least implying that it's maybe not cyclical, that mm. things are developing. There is a moment... Which I now can't find, <laughs> I underlined well, but which uh, it specifically said no, at this point, Eric is no longer a child, mm. and you're saying yeah, there is a yeah. break, right yeah, 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 that's true um but that doesn't mean that there aren't no there aren't any more cycles, it just means that they get yeah. more convoluted, they get more complex. this is mm. when her mother and Walter become the se- become mm. intertwined. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I think maybe the thing, the sensation I got from it is there's a cert- there's a certain downward spiral to it, like this can't go on, but it also can't stop itself. Mm. So it, there is a there's a time limit on this, based on like you know her mother dying, her being alone in the world, and then eventually she will she will stop at some point. Like there's a kind of a petering out of it. So this phenomenon, this kind of like it's almost like the the relationship, the abusive relationships, these ideas kill themselves in this ever ever enclosing circle of of um, intimacy.
2: Mm. Because the the ending, so obviously, which is famous. Yeah, I mean, term. it famously ends with her stabbing herself in the in the shoulder, but it, it ends <laughs> in in some ways, it ends a little a few pages before that on page yeah. 275 mm. after this after Walter's left after this rape mm. after all this there's a moment where her mother uh, just a uh, mo- uh, mother yeah. announces that her daughter should circulate more get to know new places oh, yeah. and new faces at her age it's high time mother calculates for a tongue tongue tied child it's not good for you to stay with an old lady like me all the time you're so young and exuberant she starts saying exactly the same things yeah. that Walter said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that she uh, and so yeah. a break has taken place. Yeah. She has yeah, yeah, yeah. broken something. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that she's free. No.
0: And now it just means that she'll be like punished for staying at home or it means that there's yeah, it, it means that there's other ways in which to disappoint mother now in a certain way. Um,
1: Can I read something to back that up? Yeah. <laughs> Erica is an insect encased in amber, timeless, ageless. She has no history, and she doesn't make a fuss. This insect has long since lost its ability to creep and crawl. Erica is baked inside the cake pan of eternity.
2: <laughs> and that's. that's <laughs> I can't that's stop quoting this book. Is. It's just,
1: it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. But I think that mm. time and temporality is such a yeah. um, an important part of the yeah. book, or the sense of just being stuck, encased yeah, yeah, in amber. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and there's
0: that similar but then that's also like being juxtaposed with that feeling that or like erica's self-appraisal that now she's just a bit too old
4: <laughs>
0: and so like to always be just a bit outside of your ideal time Like, and on the one hand it's good she's like free of the obligations of all these men and their interests but on the other hand it's like oh wait now i'm destined to be my mother's carer and keeper for the rest of my life yeah, but also like there was something so cruel in that switch from the mother at the end oh. that like, I actually felt like it made me very angry. It was like it was.
2: It's interesting. I hadn't. Uh, I when I when I read it uh, originally, I was just thinking of it. Yes, as, as sort of being a sad moment in which mm. she'd sort of taken over the voice. It hadn't occurred to me though until you guys started talking about it that in some way that has now become another device of the mother for control. I hadn't. Yeah, I I mm-hmm. occurred to me.
0: Well, so she's already disciplining in that first thing. Like, it's not healthy for you. Yeah. It's exactly. like, oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. She's quoting her rapist yeah. to her. <laughs> <Fuck>. mm. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: someone, um, when this won the Nobel Prize, uh, someone resigned from the committee because they were appalled um, that this... Could get a Nobel Prize, and I think this—if anything should get su- such a thing, it should be something like this.
3: It's yeah, it was called junk literature. Yeah, but really, it's called yeah, it
0: pornography or something. Yeah, they refer to it as um, yeah, like a whining, unenjoyable public pornography. <laughs> and the enjoyable, yeah, sure we. It's I think it's enjoyable, but it, it is—it's a hard pleasure. But
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, but it's like you know a very very un, like strong shot of liquor, like ugh, but.
2: <laughs> I was thinking of it actually because of the puns and, and some of these. Th- there's quite a few of these. I can't, mm-hmm. We're not going to go and find them. No. Or, um, also because they will just vary language to language and sometimes apparently they're, mm-hmm. they're not in it, which is <laughs> it's a bit sad actually. But what it was reminding me of a little bit uh, was something like Lolita or mm. something in which... But it's it's the opposite in many ways of mm. that. Because... In some in, in a book like Lolita it's it, it's there's a sort of smugness in this detachment mm. I can make fun of this from the high pinnacle of art mm. because I can do things cleverly yeah. you're obliged to listen to read about this thing that you yeah. find distasteful yeah, yeah. I don't get this at all from someone like Yenick No. she I do, first of all, the idea of the high planes of art is is mm. quite thoroughly yeah uh, taken to task <laughs> in this, and and so it's interesting how there is a, but so it mm. comes across as cruelty, mm. but the cruelty is sort of the point of yeah. uh, the book yeah
0: right? yeah yeah, and that and the, the cruelty is so proximate to just everyday
2: things. The cruelty seems to come from the yeah. environment, right? Yeah. yeah. Because another thing that comes out there's, there's a bunch, there's quite a few, openly mm. racist parts, and again, I was against uh, Turkish people and mm. people from the Balkans, uh, and I, again, it was sort of interesting that maybe the voice mm. is somehow this kind of rather disembodied, Viennese society around yeah. <laughs> that that, yeah, that yeah, that's yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of
0: it's that. like simultaneous, it's like the part in of um of uh, Erica's head that is in the conversations of high culture in vienna is you know it's like that that part that, that part of her consciousness is narrating in a certain way
2: yeah because all of this is incredibly personal mm. it's all it's all in these in indoors but at the same time uh there are always references to the fact that this is coming from mm. something larger yeah. there there's some point i'm trying to find it now but a which the mother is, you know, described as owning. You know, she's her possession, sort of recognized by the state. That her ownership <laughs> is recognized by the state yeah, in yeah. some <laughs> degree. Right? Uh, I don't know what you. I don't know much about Austrian <laughs> politics, <laughs> yeah. but what it's, I hear tends to be a little bit shady, shall yeah. we say? This said certainly. from an Italian, so yeah, yeah. you know.
0: <laughs> Does anyone have anything else they want to want to chat about in this?
3: I like the second part of the book most where it's uh, more of her relationship mm. with the Klemmer guy. And I never found that there is a lot of the books that we've read on the podcast. It's all about like death and sexuality tied together. And mm. I never really found that here. It's more about like sex and control, mm. but not the...
0: Well, there's a th- remark which I noted down um, in one point where she says, or like it kind of indirectly says, pain is the consequence of the desire for pleasure.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So again, not death, but like there's something about like, there's some sort of like weird kind of sense of cosmic justice about if you want to enjoy yourself, that wanting will result in pain. Mm-hmm. And there's a kind of like a, there's an inevitability about it, kind of, kind of like natural forceness about it, which is certainly like an operating logic within this book.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I guess... That's why you'd want control, maybe
2: for the, again, um I'm going to come back to something that I mentioned earlier when I was talking about the paternal purpose razor, oh yeah um, <laughs> I don't know whether you want to try and talk about the father as an absence in this or or what that means, because essentially the father character mm. is someone who um, has some kind of mel- mental illness mm. when she's very young. Mm. And so the memory is about taking him to an institution, mm. and therefore he's a complete absence. But it's it's referred throughout that in some ways he was the f- <laughs> he was the first victim of the mother, <laughs> which seems very like you know. Well, it's by <laughs> Norman Bates, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. It feels a bit well, also a bit. Uh, I don't know how to put it. Sort of. I I wonder where that narrative is coming from to some mm-hmm. degree. Yeah, she, you know yeah, what I mean? Because it, it also sounds a bit like oh, the poor harassed husband his wife is nagging him yeah, kind of yeah. thing. She nagged him to
0: schizophrenia. Yeah. Right?
2: That's yeah. sort of how it's framed but I don't but I'm wondering who is framing it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think Yellowneck herself is doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think but I don't know. <laughs> I think we'd be very hard-pressed to know exactly what Jelleneck thinks of any of this. <laughs> right, I think yeah. that's the really interesting thing about yeah. it. Yeah. That's what makes it compelling, I guess.
3: Yeah, no, but also because there's not... I mean, there are the clichés and everything you talked about, Cherry, but but it's not ironic, mm-hmm. and it doesn't, like, wink at the reader no, and then no, no. it's like, oh, now I'm going to do this, yeah. or, like, you know. Yeah, it's so deadpan, it's yeah. so hard, but it's very 80s, isn't it? Mm. Like, very punk um, mm. Mm. I mean, the irony came with the like roughly with the mm. '90s, right? Mm. Like in mm. literature, mm. but this is just like this means business.
0: Yeah, or like when it winks and it goes, you know, you actually don't
2: know. Yeah, I'm that's how <laughs> there are some fantastic things. There's there's one I've I've underlined a few. Yeah, again, you were you know you were mentioning earlier that some of the like. Mm. Um, metaphors and Mm. similes are really like at one point it refers to her as being a zealous dentist of language (laughs) which i thought was fantastic there's another moment that there are these little moments that just sort of freak you out a little bit there's there's something Mm. oh here it is um this is when no this is when um erica is um out in some park trying to mm. spy on on people having sex. And at one point, it just says, the treetops get the creeps, <laughs> which I kind of liked. Because it, it just doesn't yeah. seem to fit. Like, she's, uh, yeah. this is um, 144. Yeah. And then another one that really stuck out to me, and maybe this is just, I mean, I can't imagine that Austrians have entirely different car cars than we do. <laughs> but there's a, there's a point, uh, I can't be bothered to try and find it now, but where they uh, They describe walter's eyes, yeah. his blue eyes as being like the taillights of a car they sh- they yeah. shine like the taillights of a car, and you're thinking, blue <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh
2: uh, anyway, but yeah. uh, so there are there are f- so many destabilizing mm. moments yeah to yeah, this. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, and so if there is irony. It's an irony that's not about telling you what I'm doing, what mm-hmm. you're doing, but kind of the opposite mm-hmm. to some degree, like a, yeah, an all-concealing irony. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, I would want to. I mean, I'm definitely going to read a lot more of her now. So thanks, guys, for choosing this. Apparently, <laughs> though, this is this is yellow like light.
0: Yeah, so yes. I hear.
2: Yeah, well, so. so I'm quite excited to hear what, <laughs> yeah. like, hardcore, what hardcore young <laughs> is.
0: Um, okay, so I'm just going to do like a little round now. I think there's no, nothing else to add. So I'm just going to do a round. I'm guessing from this, Charlie, that you'd recommend the book?
2: Absolutely. Anyone in particular? or Anyone in particular? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, I mean, my yeah. Mom. <laughs> Now, my mum would hate this because this is classic. My mum was like, oh, I, c- I can't watch/slash read this. There are no nice people in it. No. <laughs> no. So. no there are not. There are no nice people in this. So, book. everyone but Charlie's mother gets yep. this. Yep.
0: <laughs> uh, Gio?
3: I would. And um, I want to say thank you because I'm not a, a scholar of literature. And when I read it, I liked it but like in a weird way, because I didn't really know what to do with it or like what to think of it or like how to analyze it for what it was. And this has helped a lot and made it a lot better.
0: So Mm. yeah,
1: I would recommend it.
0: Great. Sherry?
1: Yes, I would definitely recommend this. For me, just the what she does with language is incredible. Um, And Stylistically, some of the similes and metaphors that we heard are just a few. Mm. The book is full of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, so definitely. Yeah, and I I I too would um definitely. I mean, I have in my in my head this image of what like, a Nobel Prize winning writer is and it's not this.
2: No, that's actually <laughs> a really good point. Yeah. Uh, I there's a lot of things which I specifically haven't read because Nobel Prize. It says Nobel Prize winner on the front. Yeah. I don't like it's it's very stupid, I know. Well, I mean, but, but it's usually it's usually like uh
0: Yeah, I guess sometime in the past was bad or you're Bob Dylan. Mm.
2: Yeah. Oh, anyway. <laughs> but no, this is like,
0: if this is the kinds of things that the, no- this Nobel Prize might have a future if it's the kind of thing.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, although yeah. they, ha- they have had a rough patch. Oh, yes, we should, uh, yeah. We should point yeah. out. We, we should also recognize
0: uh, the, um, it might not be the only reason the guy rec- re- resigned was uh, mm. this book coming up. Maybe the book hit, hit a little too close to home.
2: But hey guys, you know where you can find this book?
0: Oh, yeah. They know, <laughs> but 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 do dude, but, do, but do like and comment review us on iTunes.
2: <laughs> and come on, and like buy and it. Share.
0: Like and share. Actually, <laughs> I, actually, I think we should start saying this because we haven't had any reviews on iTunes. Review oh, us on iTunes.
2: Uh, only good reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I can't deal with no no negative feedback.
0: That Charlie, uh, oh. see, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's, that's why I haven't. That's why I can't play the piano. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And well, so next time, we're going to be um, uh, checking out what all the fuss is about surrounding this uh, whole uh, Rachel Cusk thing. So we're going to read the first book in the Outline trilogy. Outline. But uh, thanks for now, guys. Thank
1: Thank thank you. you. Thank you.